I'm Samantha Fish, and this is the Blues Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Blues Podcast. Today's episode, or oh, it's a good one, it's a good one. I'm very, very pleased to say I am chatting at the end of this piece of uh, technology to the one and only, the fantastic musician that is Samantha Fish. Hey, Samantha, Hello. how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Are you, are you bearing up okay in the whole um, pandemic thing? Yeah. I mean, it's it's totally weird. Um, it's strange and sad and kind of freaky, but, you know, making making the most of it, trying to find the silver linings. Obviously, you know, my life was really, um, it consisted around travel a lot. Like, I mean, that's what I did year round. And so this has been kind of an interesting experiment for me <laughs> to like stay in one spot and i mean i think it's been good in a way but you know I'm, I'm ready to get back out there so you've just been locked down at home kind of just hanging out right yeah but i mean i've been productive i think i think the key to to finding and making the most of this situation is to just do what you love and be productive so i've been writing a lot i've been doing a lot of these zoomy collaborations which is yeah. kind of neat um you know getting just Try to prepare for something to come after, you know, figure something out for, for what we do next. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever that is, eh? We... <laughs> yeah. You know, it takes as long as it takes. We got to, you know, we're all in it together in a way, even though we're so far apart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we, at least we've got technology, eh? Uh, you know, I guess if this happened back in the 1970s, we'd be really uh, kind of just twiddling our thumbs thinking, oh, there's yeah, nothing on TV, be... can't go out. It's, uh, we're, we're lucky we got the internet, right? We'd be writing, we'd be doing this podcast like over like written letters or something, you know, <laughs> for a really long time. Yeah. Be in a phone booth, like, you know, putting yeah. coins in and yeah. Oh yeah, that, that sucks. Um, so listen, I always like to start these, uh, these, these podcast things by talking a little bit about, uh, about your early days and going, going right back to kind of where you started. Sure. So you were, you, you grew up in, uh, in Kansas city, Missouri, right? I did. Yeah. Born and raised. The, the same Kansas City as the uh, as the song Casey Lovin is that right? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was real lucky actually. I, it was um, little Willie Littlefield wrote that song originally. I recorded that song originally. Didn't I? I got to play guitar with him a few years ago. He's a, such oh, a really? great guy. That's great. <laughs> it was it was a great night. I tell you what, it was the fastest hour of my life. I think just being on stage with him, it just went so quick. But you know, yeah. time flies by when you're having fun. eh? so you started off on the drums, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of like badly at it, but yeah, I did start on the drums. Um, I picked up the sticks when I was like 13, and I, I didn't pick up a guitar till 15. But you know, the I think me and the drums had an interesting relationship because sometimes kids aren't very disciplined, and I, I didn't really, I didn't have the capacity for more homework at the time. So I I connected with it, but I feel like maybe I would have connected with it more later on. You know. Um, yeah. Like that age is it's hard to like focus or concentrate on anything really isn't it it's uh it's just like yeah. i was i was in 20 different directions and though i really loved music i really connected with the guitar and singing but like drums you know the drums was always so fun but then when you actually got to go learn you know syncopation and yeah. you know all this all these like mathematical con you know concepts you're like well this isn't fun anymore but it was fun you know when you actually start to get the hang of it it becomes fun and it's like a, a cool release and it, definitely my introduction into music and yeah. playing. 
I mean, your dad was a guitar player at the time, right? So how how did you end up on the drums? Was there not enough guitars to go around or something? Or is it just like, no, here's, here's think, some drums, you have a go on those? I think my dad and everybody in my family kind of dabbled in the guitar. Like my sister was starting to pick it up and she'd been picking up that and piano and all of his friends played guitar. And I was going to just be different and rebel. And I was like, I'll be the drummer. And um, yeah, so I, I just, I felt like we needed a drummer, you know, right. to, to kind of kick the jams off and... You know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tout that I'm a great drummer or anything, but I, I have a little bit of skill. It's like slight amount, very slight. I should probably practice more. I'm sitting right next to a drum set that's completely oh, disheveled. Wow. So. I mean, I, I played a little bit of drums for a while, and I think the thing that put me off the most was, uh, was packing up at the end of the night. You know, oh, it's much, much more fun being a singer in a band right than a drummer when it comes to packing up time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, unless you're the singer that has to bring the PA, that sucks too. But um, no, the the drums it's, it's it's a commitment, man. And it's once I have it set up in a spot, that's where I'm going to practice the drums. Whereas guitar, I think I had a little more physical freedom. I could go out in the backyard and kind of hide in the bushes and play guitar and do my you know secretive little teenager kid things and yeah. do it in private. Whereas the drums, it's just loud and it's there and everybody's going to hear you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, was it was it like a an easy transition or was it just a, a straight? Do you know what? I've had enough of the drums now. I'm gonna have a crack at guitar. Or did you just sort oh, of drift into guitar? I I did them both for years. I mean, I actually it's funny. I I played the drums um, in my family's like my my aunt and uncle were kind of running this church. My uncle was the pastor and they um they did all the music and so they brought me in to be the drummer and I I played everything like with an ACDC beat and way too loud. But I did that for you know, probably saw I was like 19 years old or something. I mean, I was, I, I was in a band. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of did both for a while. I mean, I haven't picked up any professional work as a drummer, thank God, uh, <laughs> for anybody, you know, for, for years. But I did, I did keep up with it. And, you know, still something I like to get up behind the kit and practice sometimes just because it's really good. You know, practicing rhythmic structures it's just really good for everything it's good for your singing it's good for guitar playing it's good for every anybody who's in, interested in music i always encourage them go pick up you know pick up the drums first like it just gets that innate sense of rhythm just yeah. really driven into you and that's hard you know yeah. that's that kind of stuff isn't always the easiest absolutely without rhythm and timing it's, you've got nothing really have you <laughs> yeah it's the most important thing people got to dance to it when you did start playing guitar uh, what, what was the first guitar you got your hands on? Did you like just borrow one off your dad or something? Or uh... my first guitar? Well, my dad had some lying around the house, so I'd pick up like they had an acoustic, so I'd kind of practice on that. I think I had like an I got an Alvarez acoustic for Christmas one year, and then he got me this. My dad, my dad got me a pink kind of a Stratocaster-looking guitar that a friend of his had built, and. Um, and that was my first electric guitar. But man, the frets were so high, I'd tear up my fingers. And so like, I didn't really play it much. Um, I think my first professional guitar, God, I'm trying to think, you know, um, a friend of mine left a Les Paul at a bar after a gig and he asked me to go pick it up and I picked it up and then he just never came back to get it. And <laughs> I ended up, oh. I ended up buying it off of him, but that was my first like official gig worthy guitar. Um, this Les Paul studio, um, which, you know, a, a great, a great gig worthy guitar, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I think I, I kind of learned a lot on acoustic first. That's, that's really tough. Cause the strings are a lot harder to push down and yep. um, tears up your fingers a lot. 
Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, acoustic is like, it's a, it's a different beast for me. And it's Definitely. like, if you could practice and learn to play something on an acoustic, you could play it on, on the electric, no problem, when you get on stage, you know, and get a bit of gain on there. And all that. It's, it's easy, right? Um, you know, I think, <laughs> well, transitioning to an electric, I think it just depends on the guitar because, you know, you got to find the one that's comfortable for you. Sometimes if you get to, if you're playing like a really stiff acoustic and then you go to like somebody who's got their strings set up like really slinky, you, you're almost too clumsy on it. Like you're missing strings and frets and stuff because it's like you can't quite, you know, feel it as well. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely if you learn how to play on an acoustic, and then switch over to an electric, it's going to be like butter, you know? Yeah. You're going to feel a lot faster, a little, you know, a little quicker on the neck. There's a good tip there, kids. All right, yeah, there's one. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about guitars, you've got some great guitars on the wall behind you. Uh, that's oh, that's thank a fine you. V and a, a very nice looking Telecaster there, I think, yeah. Yeah, those are my two Delaney guitars. I kind of got my Flying V sandwiched between. I got my... Um, this is probably the most uh, famous Samantha guitar. Yep. It's my cigar box. Um, I got them all over the walls. And I'm in my guitar room. <laughs> I kind of have a problem with guitar hoarding. I never get rid of anything. People are like, I, I get that question sometimes. Have you ever sold a piece of gear and then felt bad you sold it? And I'm like, no, because I never sell anything. I just keep it. I'm a hoarder. Yeah, see, I've made that mistake. I've sold 60s Telecasters and all sorts of stuff, you know. Because oh, I needed a bit of cash, in, and now I'm thinking, ah, oh, I really wish I held on to that. But if you can hold on to this stuff, it's great. Have you still got that first Les Paul? Yeah, it's right It's right here. Do you want to see it? Absolutely. It's a, uh, I think, a, yeah, it's a studio. So this is like mahogany, I believe. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it was nice. Um, really out of tune. But first... Oh, not bad actually feels pretty good i think i was just kind of green when i got it and when i i got a telecaster after like a thin line somebody built me this beautiful custom thin line which is right next to it on the wall wow i've got them in chronological order i didn't even realize um somebody built me this beautiful custom tele thin line style guitar and i i just i think the pickup configuration and the feel of it was just a little bit more expressive for me and, and honestly it, it just it, it's funny when you pick up a new guitar and you feel like a better guitar player just because it fits you more right, you know yeah. you start being able to do things that you never really thought you could do and you're like wow this guitar it's magical this one it was just my first so it gets a bad rap but i'm it's actually a killer guitar <laughs> it's not a bad guitar to start on right it's not a bad first guitar yeah no no it's just like kind of happenstance it was, this guy left it at a bar and was like, could you go pick it up? And I did, and then he never came back for it. So I, I bought it from him, and the rest was that. Wow. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's like a real lucky story. Uh, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. What was it that got you into the blues originally? Because it's, you know, a girl from Kansas in well, growing up in the, you know, the, the late 90s, I guess, something like that. Um, what, what got you into blues? Um... Well, I'd say the original thing that got me into blues was just really, you know, I picked up the guitar and I started wanting to learn how to solo. And really the guitar oriented music that I was hearing was the stuff on the radio, which is classic rock, basically. You know, you've got, there, there are some stations that you hear guitar solos, but like primarily it's like rock stations and classic rock. You hear those great old school classic solos. And so I just started kind of getting into classic rock and figuring out different things here and there. And then it's just like a gateway, you know, you start 
going back into, you know, what, what, what influences did Keith Richards have? And it's like, oh, the blues. You kind of just get into the, once you start going down this path, you know, before you know it, you're like listening to Howlin' Wolf and um, furthermore, like Skip James and, you know, you go and find that Delta stuff. And I think, I think once I sort of discovered like the R.L. Burnside Fat Possum roster, right, yeah. like the North Mississippi stuff, it really like, it caught me. Um, and so I, I already had this sort of love for it. And then growing up in Kansas City, you know, if you want to go out and play and like sit in at a jam or something, we have a really rich history of jazz and blues. So there was just all this like, you know, open jam night, which is like, come out and play blues. Um, so I, I sort of started there and, you know, and, and then things just develop. I mean, it, it's been developing for, for 15 years. Still developing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It never stops. It never stops. That's what that's what you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. It's not just blues that you're into, is it? It's, it's all kinds of things you mix up into your music. I mean, what's, you know, if you're not listening to the blues, what sort of stuff would you go out and listen to? Um, well, you know, again, like classic stuff. I love old soul music. I love Americana and country. I, I, I even listen to pop music, you know, I listen to contemporary things. I also, you know, I'm... I, I like experimental stuff. I like I like rock. I mean, I, I'm kind of all over the map. Um, there's stuff, of course, I don't listen to, but I'm I'm not like um, against anything, you know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm a little all over the place. I, I think that's good. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think it's good to be all over the place, right? And take a bit of this yeah. and a bit of that, and you know, all kinds of just bring it all in and mix it up in the pot, and that's that's your sound, then, isn't it? That's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think you have to be willing to take in the world around you. And, you know, sometimes that's old school classic blues music. Sometimes that's contemporary pop music. Sometimes it's, you know, jazz, you know. I, I've i been, like, trying to expand my, my record collection. So I guess that's, like, my, you know, music hardcore musical side. If I go and I look at my records, it's like that's a little bit eclectic and, you know, a little bit speaks a little more to my personality as far as music choices go. Because I think you're a little more selective when you go to the record store. It's like, okay, I need these... You know, are you know. still like old school? You you want to go down to the store and flick through all the vinyl and buy and yeah. buy something? Or you're not a streamer, then you not just sit at home on the sofa and go. I mean, I do it all. I do it all. I do it all. You know, because honestly, my record collection can only expand as far as how many times I can go out there and get them. And I, I do. I like to go to the store and and thumb through the bins and find stuff that's that's a little more of a personal experience. You know, and I think that you know, you have a better, like a better, different kind of relationship with your record collection than something you just find on your phone and stream. But I do that too, because, you know, you discover all this new, like I love Spotify playlists. You find all kinds of new music that you wouldn't normally have ever heard of. Um, so I like it all, you know? It's, yeah, it's, good. it's a good way to be in it. Just keep an open mind and see what comes through. Yes. How do you think over the, the years that you've been gigging, how do you think your sound has changed? I mean, it's changed in the way that, um, you know, when I think back to the early days of when I was going out and gigging, like back in 2010, and just trying to do a full show, I was doing a lot of covers and just trying to kind of play material that catered to the audience. You know, it's like, if you're playing a, a local bar gig, it's like, you don't want to throw a bunch of ballads and quiet stuff. I was like learning party time songs to get people dancing. You know, and that was just sort of a means to an end to fill out a certain amount of time that you have to play in order to get paid. So, you know, you learn a lot of songs that aren't necessarily like 100 percent 
who I am as an artist, but it was like a means to an end. And then, you know, you develop your own way of doing it. And it, my catalog has changed as I've written more albums and done, um, done more records. But, you know, I really like pushing the envelope with every album. I like kind of stretching. And, you know, I think the cornerstone of everything I'm going to do is going to be bluesy. Yeah. But it's also going to push these other boundaries and incorporate different sounds and textures because I feel like my job as an artist is to, you know, create something that sounds unique to me, you know, be a, be an original voice and try to evolve, you know, what I'm doing and, and, and incorporate that into the genre, you know. So we, we were talking earlier about being in lockdown and, uh, you know, be, it being a great time for writing songs. Now, how does that, uh, how does that process work for you? Is it just, you wake up one morning, you've got an idea, or do you like actually sit down and think, right, I've got to write three songs today? <laughs> I wish it was that productive every day. <laughs> yeah. um, we can dream, right? You know, the process is the process is different because for me, creativity ebbs and flows, and really, it's it's kind of like a valve. You know, you can't just like turn it on um, and expect it to be a completely productive day it's something you have to really exercise and work on for it to be you know for the for it just to be like to flow you know if i'm not in the mood to write songs and i take some time off getting back into it's harder it's like it's like working out you know yeah. or running um it is an exercise because you're constantly trying to find inspiration and in things that normally you know you just walk by or pass by or you know have a conversation and not think anything of it um I, I wish I had a set process. I've been doing it a bunch of different ways because it's kind of strange being stuck in the house all the time. I'm not, we're not getting all these like, you know, life-changing experiences that normally you would get to have. So it's like, how do you pull something out of nothing? And collaboration has been a great tool for me. Um, working with other writers. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world to write about. So I think, I think it's just being disciplined, you know, waking up and, and saying, all right, Maybe I'm not going to come up with a song today, but I'm going to sit here with my guitar and, and come up with a riff and a melody, you know. I record everything. If I think of a fun melody, I record it. My phone is full of psychobabble. So I think in order to be a writer, you have to just have like a phone full of nonsense and, you know. <laughs> yeah. A phone's a handy thing, right? Because, you know, it used to be years ago, you'd, you'd, you'd have to just write something down on a scrap of paper. And then, yeah. if, you know, if you had an idea for a tune, you had to try and find somewhere to record it quickly before you forgot it. But now with a phone in your hand, you can record anything anywhere. I mean, I hate to think in, in, in years to come, people are going to start releasing albums of stuff that's been recorded on your phone or something. I mean, yeah, God, that could be. That probably. Could be right? Probably. I, you know, I figured out how to use a little uh, DAW, you know, the little digital audio workshop or workspace on my computer. And it's like, wow, I mean, yeah, you can totally record stuff just right in our own little bubble and, um, it's sort of interesting. Um, the technology is getting so good. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be able to record all the crazy stuff on our phone onto an album someday. Um, I mean, we could now if we wanted to. It's just mine wouldn't be very quality. Is all I'm saying. I wouldn't want mine being heard by the public at all. It's, no, it's, uh... Oh, I, I would hate for someone to find that. It's like I don't know. Probably commit me to the loony bin or something. <laughs> but well, that that does sound like it might make a good album at least. So uh, yeah. Just, it's just like psychobabble, you know, it's like nonsense, you know. Uh, I'll scroll through ideas all the time and be like, oh my God, what was I thinking? You ever like think you have a dream about a song, like in yep. your dream, and you wake up and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And you write it down and the next day you see it and it's just nonsense. Yeah. 
like me. No. Sometimes I get it. Well, I, I, have, I dream about a song and I sort of write it down in the middle of the night or do something, and I think it's the best song ever. And then I wake up the next day and it's complete shit. Yeah, of course. It's nonsense. It's or like it's someone friend. else's song. That's, that, that happens quite often. It's someone else's song. And I, oh, that's why it was so good. It's actually yeah. a David Bowie song. Oh. No. <laughs> I've rewritten my own material too. Like I'll sit there and I have a riff and I'm like, oh, that was from my first album. I'm sitting there and I'm like, God, this is good. I don't think anybody's ever done this before. And it's like, actually, you did it five years ago and it's already been done before. But whatever. You know, there's only so many chords and ideas, right? Well, didn't John Fogarty get sued for plagiarizing his own song? Yeah, he did. In yeah, that I, don't, I don't think it stuck, did it? But it was like, you know, well, this is going to happen, right? When you write so many songs, you're going to start coming out with some things that sound similar. But yeah. Yeah, for sure. Your first album was a, a live album, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I did that one myself, um, at like 19 or 20. So it's yeah. not, anytime people like, People really want that album now because it's out of print. I don't print it because, to be honest with you, it's like, I kind of hate it. <laughs> and I know, I do. I mean, and I don't think it's very good. And the quality of it just wasn't, you know, to my liking. But anytime you tell somebody, I don't like this album and I don't want it out, people go crazy and try to find it. Yeah, that, that makes them want it even more, right? Because they, they want to know what's so bad about it. But, uh... Then I see them on eBay sometimes and they're really like expensive. And then, you know, I feel bad if somebody buys it and I'm like, did you like it? <laughs> and they, they usually say yes, because they have to like it once they've committed to spending the money. But I'm like, it's yeah. shit. Um, but yeah, no, I, I did a record. Um, God, I'm like talking shit on my own work. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I did a record. It was my first one. It is a live album at this bar. And some people love it. It It's it's just old to me. You know, I was a baby. Um, yeah. I'd written like half the songs, the others were covers and um, it was just a live performance that we decided to record. And, you know, for me at the time, it was like, I kind of just, I was getting my business off the ground. We were starting to tour and I needed something to help facilitate this like business engine. So I was like, let's do a record, you know, have something to sell at these shows and put some gas in the tank to get from one place to the other. Yeah, yeah. And after that, it was uh, studio albums. Right? I mean, is that a better way of working for you? Do you, you like the studio or, you know, would you prefer recording or, or studio? Which, which is which is favorite um, for you? Oh, man. I, I don't mind a live recording. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying I hate live recordings because I think that's some of the best. Some of my favorite albums are live recordings because you just love the feel of the live show. Yeah. And, for me, I've always felt like a live act because we play we play so often, you know? And so really like the show is what's really honed and tight. And I feel like the album, the studio album is generally more exploratory. And then we go flesh it out on the road. Cause I, I at this point now, I don't play any new songs before I record them. Just cause I made that uh, mistake yeah. one time. <laughs> and, and you learn a lot from it. But I do, I really like the studio because I feel like I learn something every time I'm in there. I feel like I'm growing a lot. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of transform in the studio. You want to make a concept piece. And, you know, if you want to evolve and adjust who you are as an artist, that's like a great opportunity to do that. The studio is quite a comfortable space for you then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm comfortable live too. I don't really choose one over the other. They're just totally different, you know. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable in the studio. It didn't used to be that way. Right. Yeah. What, what's changed? Just um, confidence just, or? 
I think a confidence level, I think just a little more understanding and accepting the process, you know, recording is so much different than playing live. Like, you know, the, the sound, the soundscape that you have to play with, you know, just how much space you have sonically. Um, I don't know. It, it is just a little bit different and I, I'm learning a lot about it. I think when you're like my first time in the studio, putting those big giant headphones on my ears and hearing my voice in like a very real raw form from, I don't know if you've ever been in the ISO booth, but like hearing your voice, yeah. it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard. So I think at first that was like really hard for me to, to get comfortable with. Um, and just being really nervous and second guessing myself. And now it's like, I don't know, I've had a little more time to kind of get comfortable with who I am and also learn how to relax. So there's yeah. that. I wanted to ask you about your singing as well, actually. You mentioned it. Growing up, your, your mum was, uh, forgotten the word, a choir, choir master, right, in, in the church? She was singing, she was singing yeah. Um, church, yeah. I mean, I, I remember we'd go to Sunday services and she'd be singing in the pews and, yeah. you know, they'd have uh, different, you know, throughout the church service, different songs. And she grew up in the choir, yeah. you know, when she was a little girl. And so she knew all that stuff pretty much by heart. So it was singing just a sort of a natural thing that you did kind of thing. It was just like, you know, hey, yeah, yes, no, no big deal. It wasn't something you had to think, right, I'm going to start singing songs now. Um, I was, I was honestly like painfully shy kid. So singing, you know, I've seen my mom and my sister sing and they were so um, like verbose about it. You know, they were really like big and, and there was a lot of like, I don't know, confidence. And I didn't, have that i was really super shy and so when i started singing and playing guitar i mean i did them both simultaneously it was like once i picked up the guitar i started teaching myself songs that i liked you know like oh i want to play desperado by the eagles let me go find some chords and figure it out you know i just kind of sing to accompany the guitar playing and vice versa i never really thought i was a good singer um but it's something i've worked really really hard at i you know i've I, i've taken vocal lessons for years off and on, you know, when I have the time, like just, just because it's a strange instrument in that with guitar, I feel like I can see somebody play and maybe learn something, you know, I can watch them play and pick up a little trick where mm -hmm. with singing, it's all internal and it's all about feeling. And yeah. it, it just, I don't know. I think because when I would go out and perform initially, I'd get so tight and like tense and and I, and then my performance would suffer for it. You know, there's so many things like with singing, like there's just so many little tricks that go into it. I don't know. I mean, it took me years and years and years to feel kind of comfortable. Do you, um, do you ever, do you ever sing without playing guitar? Cause I've done this a couple of times. It's a completely weird alien thing for me. It just doesn't feel right. It's weird. I, mean, I feel like Will Ferrell. I'm like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> I stand there and then I try snapping and then I'm like, I look like an idiot and I try clapping. And I'm like, I'm a weird clapper. You know, you try dancing. I've seen videos of myself where I'm like, you know, it's not cute. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to me. I think just because I, I did them both simultaneously, like, I, and I'm not opposed to trying it and doing it more, but it, it just does, it feels a little strange. I feel more confident when I have like, when I can, you know, I've got half of my body taken up with something and I can like, you know, it's part of that. That's like a part of me, you know? It's almost like something to hide behind though, isn't it? It's kind of like a shield almost. In a way, but I wouldn't necessarily consider it hiding. It's 
it's just like it's an extension of who you are and it's like it's a confident piece for me you know when i don't have it i guess i just don't exactly know what to do with my hands <laughs> that's all i if i have pockets i'll put my hands in my pockets but then that feels strange too yeah yeah my mum always said don't put your hands in your pockets it's, uh, yeah you're supposed to do that stand up straight and uh, yeah <laughs> um we've got like hundreds and hundreds of fan questions here it's oh like, wow really inundated yeah so i'm going to start going through a couple of those now that's cool with you yeah um, sure here we here we go i'll try i think we weeded out most of the scary like strange ones were there weird ones <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want to know you don't want to know <laughs> i'll go on there and look later i'm sure i can find some <laughs> um Okay, so uh, Chris Dwyer has written in and said, uh, in a world gone absolutely mad, uh, what do you do to keep yourself occupied with other than music? Okay. Hi, Chris. I actually know Chris. Chris is awesome. Ah. He got to a bunch of shows here in the US. Um, what am I doing to keep occupied? Well, I'm trying to do some socially distant, um, you know, social things. That's, that's something, because, you know, you have to see people. There's a little bit of that like crazy isolation thing going on, but I, I've perfected my Kansas City smoked ribs. I'm getting really good at smoking ribs. Nice. Um, cooking is fun. Um, I've spent a lot of time with my cats, quality time. Um, the first month I spent so much time with them, I took them both to the vet because I was so paranoid that like, I was like, they sleep all day, is this normal? <laughs> and they're like, you're, you're a nut job. I took them to the vet like three times during the start of this. So yeah, spending lots of time with my cats. I've been swimming. I've been working out. Um, you know, I, I, I always go back to the music stuff because that's still like my whole life, you know, the writing and uh, working on things and, and trying to move, move that forward. Um, God, what else have I been doing? I'm killing Netflix, killing it. Absolutely <laughs> smashing Netflix. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been... <laughs> I tried. I tried getting into sewing my um, my stage clothes, and that that was a horrible failure. I, I hooked up my sewing machine for the first time in like a year, and tried to make an outfit, and it looks like garbage. So that's cool. Um, really, lots of failures, I guess. I've been failing a lot um, at normal house stuff. I, I I don't know. Just trying to get out outside too. Chris also mentions that you um you can speak multiple languages, right? I don't know where he got that. I did see that question and I laughed because I was like, bonjour, uh, you know, merci, uh, guten tag. I, I could speak like a very upsettingly small amount of German, French, and just like a tiny, like horrible amount of Spanish. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bilingual by any means. <laughs> I can pretend, but it's okay. generally offensive and yeah, it doesn't work out for me. So there you go. There's one of the crazy ones got through. Um, let's go to uh, Eric T. Lurick. That's a, that's a good name. I like that. Uh, Eric says, uh, Samantha, you sometimes say that you are or have been very shy, which I think you mentioned earlier on. Um, he wants he wanted to know how you got over that. Little by little. I mean, I, I still get nervous to go on stage. I mean, it's just natural, but like, um, you know, little by little, I think you just got to accept yourself and start liking yourself. I don't think it's something that ever goes away, but like, you know, as far as like performance anxiety and stuff and going on stage, I mean, you just, 
if you go up there and you do it every day, I mean, yeah, it's going to be scary, but it gets a little less scary each time. So you just keep doing it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I know some performers who would like get so nervous before going on stage. They're, they're literally throwing up at the side of the stage before they go on. Yeah. And I just say, why do you do it? <laughs> if you, you know, if it's that horrible, why do you do it? I mean, God, it's, uh, that's just Well, because thing. you love, you love to play, you know, for me, it's like, I mean, I've had that before, like not throwing up so much, but like panic and anxiety and just like straight fear. Like I don't, and it, it's like irrational too. Cause when you think about it, it's like, everybody's there to have a good time. They've already bought the ticket. They're yeah, sold. They're for they're you, right? They want to have fun and you're there to purvey that form. But I think sometimes it's easy to get kind of stuck in your head and like really get, you know, just kind of psych yourself out. But the reason you do it is because you're there to bring a greater feeling to the room of people that have come to see you. And, and also it makes you feel good. I mean, at the end of the day, when I get off stage, it's like, Oh, I know that that was like weird to get up there for some reason, but once you do it, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's second, it, that's the second language, you know, that's the communication. Yeah that's that's the way you connect with the world and it's necessary you know you do it because you have to i mean i think when you see people like that throwing up and terrified it's like they're getting up there because that's more important than the feeling that they're feeling at that time <laughs> yeah you know ronald jacobs says hi samantha hi this ronald is, uh, <laughs> a few of us have been talking about what our favorite lineup is some of us love power blues trio and uh, Ronald personally loves uh, you on guitar, backed by bass, drums, keyboard, and horns. He oh. would love to know uh, what your favorite kind of lineup is and, and why. Well, I mean, I did the trio for so long, and that's cool. But, you know, once we started adding instrumentation, I mean, I just really liked how, you know, the guitar can still be front and center. I think some people, like people who are fans of the guitar, you know, might be fearful that, if you start adding instrumentation, that means less guitar. And yes. in my case, in my in my band, as my poor band members can attest, no, there's more guitar than ever. So like, don't worry about that. We still have the guitar. But what I like about adding in other pieces is that you can really build the drama in different layers and just utilize different sounds and like create like a much bigger sound, you know, which I, I really am into that. There's just, there is a special energy with a small band yeah. that I think will really kind of, they, they like the idea that that much noise is being made with that few, you know, with, with that small of a group. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I can find benefits to all of it. I got really comfortable playing in a bigger band. Um, so I, I really do dig that because it gives me the opportunity to really express a different side of the songs that, that you know, that I can't quite do with a trio. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's hit and miss. Same for me as well. I used to have a six-piece band with a couple of saxes and a, and a piano. And for my guitar playing, it gives you a lot more time to kind of, it gives your guitar playing more time to breathe. And, yeah. and you, know, you don't have to fill every single thing because there's, there's other stuff going on. There's rhythm section playing stuff. There's horns playing stuff. So it does make you play in a different way, doesn't it? I, I have played like that for a while, but uh, it, it is, you said it, it's a very comfortable way of playing, right? Yeah, but you know, if something goes wrong <laughs> in a bigger band, I mean, there's a lot with more people. There's a lot more that can possibly go wrong. So there, yeah. there is a flip side to everything, you know, whether it's like a technical issue or an instrument breaking or, you know, more people, more problems kind of a thing, you know, it, it's, there's, there's pros and cons to it all, but yeah, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm flipping about it. I like it all. I like doing it all. I, I had food poisoning on stage a couple of times, actually. And I oh, was very, very that's... glad to say that um, I was playing with a bigger band at the time because it meant uh, in between verses, I could go off to the side of the stage and throw up while the rest of the band kept playing. Like, if I'd been in a trio, then it would, everything would have kind of just sort of ground to a, well, just to a rhythm section. So, I get, yeah, I, it's pros and cons for everything, eh? Right. It's horrible to have food poisoning when you're in a trio. I've, I've been there, man. It's not, <laughs> it's not, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I've got some stories, but we won't go into that. You don't want to hear about that. Um, let's, uh, let's have another question. Now, this one comes from Stefan Thomas Lien. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but uh, uh, hopefully Stefan. He says, uh, which albums or artists really uh, inspire you, but are often looked, overlooked by the blues community? Oh, okay. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if Stefan's got an album out himself at the moment. You know, he's looking for a little... <laughs> I always, you know, I, I guess the only time that I think has, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if he means like independent artists that are, you know, kind of DIY, do it yourself, or if he means yeah. more mainstream that's overlooked. Um, you know, I, I, I guess my thing that I see that gets overlooked for blues a lot is like, I'll see like, you know, like a, like a great guitar player, like Jack White, for instance, who's totally, completely inspired by North Mississippi, Fat Possum Roster. Um, you know, he doesn't really, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, I don't know if he gets a lot of uh, pure traditionalist blues appreciation. Right. Yeah. Um, and and to me, I'm like, well, that's I can I can hear the pieces of it and what he's doing, and it's like, oh, that's it's blues, blues. Player, right? Yeah. yeah. And he's he's like, he's one of those evolutionary. You know, he liked the blues, thus you get Jack White. You know, it's the same with the Black Keys. I mean, hell, I think they were even on fat, like Fat Possum doing Junior Kimbrough records yeah. for a while. Um, you know, there's artists, um, I'm trying to think of like another really mainstream one, I'm trying to, trying to get there. Um, I've heard songs over the years. Where I'm like, well, that's just a straight blues song, but it's on contemporary pop radio and we're never going to give it yeah. like a second glance in the blues community, which is fine. You know, I get it. But at the same time, you know, I look at artists like the Rolling Stones had that blues album, which they won a Grammy for. And I don't know if they got like as much blues love for it, which is, you know, it's fine. It's the Stones. They're not they're not missing out on anything. But to me, I, I feel like if maybe we gave more attention to some mainstream artists, it might help grow the, just the attention we get on, on some of our artists that, you know, don't get as much mainstream attention. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about that all night. But. We have yeah. another question. I like this one. This is a good, you're going to like this one. This is from uh, Art Boker, which is another great name. Uh, he said, Art says, uh, one of the things Samantha is known for is playing cigar box guitars. Art's question is, has Samantha ever smoked or does she smoke cigars? And if so, what brands? <laughs> oh, it's usually like um, a terrible decision for me. If I'm, if somebody's like, you want to smoke a cigar? It's after I've had a couple gin and tonics. And if I agree, then it's, it's a bad sign. Um, I don't, I don't, par I don't really, I don't smoke anything on the regular just because I'm a singer and I try to preserve, yeah. preserve this bit. But um, no, I, I don't have a go-to brand. If, if I do smoke a cigar, it's usually something that somebody has handed me and I don't pay much attention to it. And it's, it's usually not very good. <laughs> like it's, Things just go downhill from there generally. 
I so, have a feeling Art will be turning up at one of your gigs soon with a box of cigars for you. I reckon. <laughs> probably like really nice cigars, and I'll 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 try. I mean, I'll try it, but um, I don't think that's me so much. Do you, do you have much of a uh, regime when it comes to looking after your voice, that kind of thing, or is it just yeah, you know? Um, I think you know when I'm performing and we're on tour and it's like a consistent night after night thing. I I definitely warm up that's the thing I, I do religiously every day um, is a vocal warm up, And that's usually, you know, at least 15 to 30 minutes, at least um, just, I think it's really important to get everything loose and stretched out and just ready to, you know, you're going to put it through some paces for a couple hours. So it's gotta be, it's gotta be ready to go. Um, I try to, I'm terrible about it, but I try to drink as much water as possible. I'm, you know, I don't know about you. I, I like, I like coffee and I like um, red wine. <laughs> and sometimes you go from one into the other. You're like, wait a minute, we should slip a couple glasses of water in here. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, on the road, I drink a lot of water, try to sleep as much as possible. Sleep and water are really like the most recuperative things you can do. And then if I'm having a particularly rough day or you know issue vocally, I do profen before you play, it takes out swelling. Um, so that's always something helpful, but um, trying to think if there's anything else I do for it. Um, no, <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> well, it sounds pretty good, you know, what you're doing. So this, uh, yeah, seems to be working pretty good. Tim Fisher says, if you weren't such a talented musician, what profession would you have chosen? Oh man, <laughs> uh, you know, this is tough because I was in high school asking myself the exact same thing. Like, what am I gonna do? And then I found music and I was like, well, I don't want to do anything else. Um, you know, I don't know if I, I always thought if I couldn't play music, maybe I do something in the music industry, but I don't even know if I'm cut out for the businessy side of it. You know, that's, it just, it might not be my cup of tea. I mean, I, I did just start a label, so I would, you know, I don't know. Are we totally out of the music business? Is this like a philosophical, we are out of music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I love animals. Maybe I would do something with animals. Um, maybe like a veterinarian or something like that. But I also like helping people. I like talking to people. I know I was considering like psychology and or some type of social work when I was back in high school. My aunt does that and I think it's really cool. So I was really into that. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm qualified for. <laughs> I'm not really qualified for anything else. So um, I, I'm not really sure. People always say that to me and I, I... I can't do anything else. You know, if I wasn't a musician, I, I, I don't know. I'd probably be in a, in a dumpster somewhere, you know, just uh, drinking methylated spirits or something. That, 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 would be, that would be my answer. But, you know, music's kind of saved me, I guess. But uh... It's kind of a weird time because I think a lot of musicians and people in the arts and this entertainment industry in general are now having to face that, you know, reality of like, well, do I do something else, you know? Um, it's not an easy question to ask yourself because I, I know – Everybody I know that that does this, they do it out of love. You know, it's it's not like it's not like it's the most financially rewarding at times. You know, it, 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 you do it because you love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. This you don't do it to become rich, right? <laughs> no, no. Any anyone who became a musician to become to become rich is uh, <laughs> stupid, really, aren't they? 
Yeah. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, one more question uh, from, from the fans, and this one comes from, uh, from Roland Tumble, which sounds like a made-up name to me, but uh, guitar shopping or clothes shopping, which is your favorite? Oh. Um, well, I probably do clothing shopping more frequently. Um, people don't generally like complain if I play the same guitar too often. So, <laughs> you know, the, when you start noticing, the, oh, you wore that, that same jacket last time I saw you, are like, okay, it's time to go clothes shopping. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of in, I'm into fashion too. You know, I'm really into like um, style and, and wardrobe and, and really, you know, I, I like to address the show from the top to the bottom. So, you know, it's the music, but it's also the whole, uh, you know, aesthetic too. So, I, I mean, I love shopping. I love style. Um, I mean, guitar shopping's fun, but I can't do it that often. Or I'd have like a serious financial problem on my hands. So I got to go with clothes shopping just because it's more practical. Right. Yeah. But I love guitar shopping. I, don't, I didn't really want to get into the whole, uh, you know, what's it like being a female in the, in the music business, blah, 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 all that sort of thing, because I'm sure you've heard that a million times by now and all yeah. that. But um, you, you were just talking then about, um, you know, if people come to the show and you're wearing the same clothes maybe last time, they go, oh, no, yeah. that, that's, that doesn't work for guys, though, right? I mean, it's, you know, it's like someone, some blues guy can walk on stage wearing the same suit he's been wearing for 10 years and no one will bat an eye at that. I mean, that, right, right. Well, think, yeah, I mean, it's, um, personally, I mean, I, I like changing it up. I like changing up the wardrobe. I like, I like giving people, you know, part of my show, it's like, I, you know, I, I want, I want the whole thing to be like a well-rounded presentation and I want my band to look good and I want to look a certain type of way because I feel like people really, you know, I mean, they listen with their ears, but what they see affects them a lot. You know, people listen with their eyes a lot too. And so, you know, um, you can tell a lot of the stories story of, of the music that you're trying to play through like a visual, a visual presentation. So I, I take, I take that and I, I keep it in mind. Um, you know, rock and roll is a style. It, it's, it's a thing. So I, I try to keep up, but yeah, it's, it's a lot <laughs> with as much as we were playing last year. I'm not even going to complain now. Cause if I show up with the same clothes now, I got a problem, but you know, with as much as we were playing last year, it was like, it was a difficult thing to keep up with. You know, I don't have time to go shopping, let alone, you know, have a whole new wardrobe every single time it's just not it's not easy to keep up with it yeah it doesn't help a lot easier this year right <laughs> yeah it should be uh too easy yeah so um we're starting to run out of time a little bit i always like to finish off with this this question that i ask to everybody and it's it's a bit of a convoluted one so um I'll, I'll explain the scenario to you uh we're in the future a little way and okay. um, and uh They've just announced that a huge meteorite is going to hit the world. What is that happening in November? <laughs> it's, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the, the world president has got on the phone as the president of the world. Now we're all, you know, everybody's kind of happy and friendly. Cool. And uh, so it's probably a long way in the future. And uh, the world president's got on the phone and he says that Samantha, you know, you, you've heard about this, uh, this meteorite, the world's going to end. We want to put on this huge party. And we want you to come and play a song for us. Uh, we want to know what song you're going to play and who's going to be in your band. Oh, God. Oh, whoa. This is like a really hard question. Does this mess people up? Uh, we've had some really interesting, completely different answers from loads of different people. It's been, it's been a great okay. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, kind of my, I'll just, 
you know, because I'm sure this answer changes day to day. But for my, for now today, I'm just going to commit to these answers. So, you know, let's just go with it. Um, my COVID kind of anthem, we played it at a live show I did. And I played it online. It was a Don't Let It Bring You Down, the Neil Young song. So I guess if we're all going to die by a meteorite, um, you know, don't let it blow me out, buddy. Don't let it bring you down. That's a good message. Um, who would play with me, though? Oh, you know, if I'm going out, I'm going out with my band. You know, they, these are the people that <laughs> have given so much of their yeah. their life and livelihood and like their 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 world to the music. I mean, I think they would deserve to play on that um, at that point. But if they're all dead for some reason, <laughs> then I guess I would go with. Can I resurrect people? Is that a well, power? Everybody power? always asks. This is the first question most people ask. And because it's in the future, you can have holograms on stage of, you, of, the, of anybody you like. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, let's put John Bonham on the drums. <laughs> I mean, Tom Petty's got to be in the mix somewhere. Um, I don't know. This is really tough because the band would just be huge. It'd just be all my heroes on stage with me. You know, some members of the Rolling Stones. Let's do that. Um, could I do it as a, I mean, I, I guess Neil Young would have to be there because it's his song. Um, is that good enough? Is that it's enough people? Party, right? It sounded like a pretty good party already. So yeah. That yeah. Be yeah. Um, I'll do James Jamerson on the bass. Uh, uh, yeah. Neil Young on the guitar and Keith Richards. Let's just throw them in the mix. Tom Petty's in there too. And me, um, I'm trying to think keys. Let's do Ray Charles on the keys. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty good. Everybody's, everybody's, you know, this is going to be really, this is a bummer of a concert, though. Well, it's, it's you've got to think of it as a celebration. It's, a, you know, it's a one last great, big kind of great thing to go out on. I mean, I would say with a band like that, I mean, God, that's, that's a hell of a lineup. I would be just wanting to sit down and watch that band <laughs> rather than play. I'd yeah. go, wow, you know. I probably people. wouldn't play it, actually. I'd just put them together and sit in the crowd and be like, go for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good way to go out to me. And on that note, uh, yeah, we kind of run out of time. So I want to say, uh, Samantha, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, hopefully you'll be out back on the road again soon, all of us. And uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Right back appreciate at you. It. Thanks for yeah. <laughs> so if you've enjoyed this, why not like and subscribe to the Blues Podcast right now? All right. <laughs>